0: Going out with the gospel of Jesus to the shelter home, we had a great time. You know, when we were there uh, a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful program, but maybe there was a lack of prayer before we went, and the children were terribly restless. After all, these are children which are difficult to deal with, they come from broken homes. They are some of them are quite violent. You know, it's a shelter home, and uh, so we really made it. Uh, this time we really prayed about it, and the Lord has done a wonderful work. They were so attentive. We had a wonderful program for them, presenting the gospel of Jesus by the story of the cross, that Jesus died for our sin, and quite a few came to know the Lord yesterday. So we praise him for it. He has been so wonderful. And then the opportunities which he gives in witnessing to other people during the week, Jewish people, all kind of people. And I'm just rejoicing in what he is doing. Um, And that uh, so many come to find him still in these days. And that the Lord has put us, each one of us, in a different position, a different place. You know, there's no greater joy than knowing that we are in the will of the Lord and that we are doing that, what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, so if anyone is here this morning and wants to say a word for the Lord, I would love to give this opportunity, although there is much upon my heart and we have a wonderful lesson. So I want to throw the glass open if anyone wants to say a word. For the Lord, I see God there. We had one girl there in the shelter home who was uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, a teenage girl, and he especially dealt with her. She didn't want to take a Bible from us, a New Testament. She bought her own Bible, and it is amazing how such a religion can pollute the minds already of young people. She was so firm in her belief, you know, talking all the time about those hundred and forty-four, thousand which will go to heaven. And I saw God pointing it out in her Bible that the gospel is for the whole world, for everyone who believes. She didn't believe in in hell, there's no place like that, she said. And so uh, if you would pray for her, girls really spend some time with her. And one verse she read from her own Bible. I had checked on it before, but it said uh, it did exactly the same as we have it in our Bible. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Christ Jesus, our Lord. She had it in her Bible too, and she read it to us. And let's pray that this may do something to her, that she may come to know the Lord. And uh, so we had a great time. So anyone want to give a testimony for the Lord, feel free and speak up for him to his glory. Yes, you are so delighted to have her. She does a wonderful job. She does a wonderful job. Yeah, I'm, I'm rejoicing in the young people, really, you know. The way they took part in it, Bob Belknap too, yes, and then Holly and Al singing to them. It was just fantastic. Every part of it was great. and. Then Art Jäger brings a, a guitar, and Ed uh, Bachi was there for the first time, and we had a great time together. Really a wonderful time. We praise the Lord for it. Let me t- uh, tell you this: you know, I believe with all my heart. You know, here we are putting much effort in in this, preparing, talking, praying. You know, and if we would do such a work for years, and only but one soul would have find Christ, that would be a tremendous thing. And we would rejoice because we have done that, what the Lord has called us to do. So let us not be disappointed if we have no response. What we have to do is to bring the gospel to the people. The rest is up to the Holy Spirit. We can't do this. This is the Holy Spirit's work. That someone breaks through to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Well, then, uh, let us turn to our Bible this morning to John 14, 15 to 31. This is our text for today. The topic is Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. A tremendous subject. John 14, 15 to 31. If we have it, let us read those precious words. Together gather, loud. John 14, 15 to 31. If he loved me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. in the word of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but he know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but he see me. Because I live, he shall live also. At that day he shall know that I am in my Father, and he in me, and I in you. He that has my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answers and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If he loved me, he would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before, it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh, and he hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even though I do, arise, let us go hand. Let us pray, dear Heavenly Father. Now, at Thy word, as bef- uh, before our eyes open, we would pray, Lord, that You bless us, that You speak through the power and strength of the Holy Spirit to our hearts this morning, O oh, Father, that Jesus might be glorified, that we only see Him, not ourselves too much, Lord, but see Him and Him glorified, O oh, Father, we pray. Bless thy word to our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. In John, the chapters 13 to 17, we have the farewell discourse of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Those precious words were spoken at the Last Supper, Thursday afternoon before Easter. In chapter 13... For instance, we have the story of the Last Supper where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. And then we have in 13, Judas' betrayal. In chapter 14 to 16, we have the final teachings and instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And we also have, in, especially in 14, the promise of the Holy Spirit. This chapter especially is beautiful and in its meaning and what the Lord has to say. And then we come to chapter 17, which is a closing prayer for his disciples. I think it is of utter importance to see that those five chapters, 155 verses, are devoted to the last Time, few hours of fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ with his disciple before he is going out to Calvary's cross. Notice when Jesus uttered these words here that Judas already has left the group; he was on his pernicious way. I have read these five chapters lately again and again, and one cannot be but deeply moved the scene within the upper room which is unfolding before our eyes. Here they are sitting together, their hearts are heavy, because the Master had told them again and again that his time of departure has come, something which they did not understand. It was impossible for them to fully understand why he had to leave them. And uh, Jesus had told them again and again that he has, that he did come to lay down his life. As he said, uh, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge, and to crucify him, And the third day he shall rise again. And then we remember that uh, Peter, especially as the spokesman of the group, had tried, uh, tried to hold Jesus back from such a way, not understanding why Jesus had to go. And then when they saw that there was no change in the mind of Jesus, that he had his face set upon Jerusalem, that then they were willing to die with him. But Jesus knew that he had to drink the cup of uh, sorrows himself, that he had to drink it alone, that no one would help him, that even Peter would deny him three times, and that all the disciples would leave him And much more terrible that he would be forsaken even by his heavenly Father. When in his agony he would reach the peak and would cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did we ever think why the Lord Jesus had to cry out in such an agony? Did we ever understand why he came to such a state in his life where he uttered such words of bitter despair. For many years I did not understand myself, and it wasn't until this very night when I had hit the bottom, and when I was so much tormented weeks before by the sinful life I lived and which I had tried to overcome to live a better life and I couldn't do it and I fell again and again in the same traps. And I was uh, tormented by the boring thought, what is life all about, where are we going? And if there is a God, then surely I am not prepared to meet him. And it was that night, restless, When I was restless and running out of the house and came back in the morning, early in the morning, not knowing what to do, fell on the side of my bed. Not to pray, I didn't know what to do. And then my thoughts were drawn to that scene at Calvary, where Jesus took upon himself the cross. Can we really understand what that meant, what that was? I mean, our words utterly fail us to express that he is the Son of God taking upon himself the cross and going to Calvary. And then, when I saw those criminals hanging next to him and this one repenting from his sin and looking to Jesus and Receive the wonderful promise of Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. What could the man do? And for the first time I see that salvation is not by works. That we can't make good for what we have done wrong. But that we have to throw ourselves upon Jesus, the Savior. As this bandit did, this criminal. And then this cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Something which I never understood before, why the Son of God had to come to such a position where he had to cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then for the first time I realized that he broke under the load of sin. That he was made sin for us. That that very moment he was so sinful as no man can be in this world. Because he took upon himself my sin and your sins. And that God the Father could not look upon him. Because he was made sin for us. He was a sin bearer. And so my heart went out to Him and broke under this load of love which was revealed on the cross of Calvary. For the first time I see that Jesus died for me, that He was made sin for me. And so my heart went out to Him and that night, deeply moved and under many tears, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus. And said Lord now you take over and a new life began in him a wonderful life a great life because I was crucified with Jesus Christ and now Jesus lived in me and this is wonderful this is so great but let us go back to our text here where Jesus uttered these words Beautiful words to his disciples. Here Calvary was yet laying before him. And these are the very last hours. Which the Lord Jesus is spending in fellowship with his disciples. Beloved there is one central theme. Of these five verses. You know what that is? Love. Love. I underlined that word. And I found it more than 30, 40 times. Love. Divine love. Love which the world never will understand. The world is never able to conceive the meaning of real love. Love which is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord to us. As never before, the world is not able to understand divine love. When they hear the expression love, they have all kind of imaginations. They are not able to think upon this love which is only pure and wonderful and divine. I remember sitting in a recording studio at Columbia Records a while ago and here one of the great leader singers of our time is singing and recording some of the most beautiful arias which Bach wrote Jesus meine Freude Jesus my joy and while she was singing and this uh, aria speaks so wonderful about the love of Jesus for his own that those men there in the recording studio, each one of them, the producer and the the tone engineer, two other engineers which were running the tape, they were making fun of it, making fun of Jesus and his love, tearing this love down in a way which which I'm not able to give back to you. Terrible. When the world speaks about love, they have only but one imagination, filthy imagination, they only think sex. The mind of this people, of uh, this unregenerated uh, generation, their minds are so polluted and so dark they are not able, it's not possible for them to conceive the true meaning of love which Jesus had for his own. When I heard these men talk, my heart was so hurt, was so shocked. I really was paralyzed. I wanted to talk to them to speak up for my Savior. I couldn't do it. I went out of this studio that night, uh, deeply moved. I thought, how terrible. But the Lord gave me a chance the next time. And I spoke to them very serious with great conviction, and told them what Jesus is for me. How could they ever think things like that? And they felt terribly uneasen, uneasy while I spoke. And no one said a word. Here is the love of Jesus, revealed to us as he goes to Calvary's cross. And Jesus speaks about this love in these wonderful verses. The love which brought him down. Which let him become the Lamb of God. He came only but for one reason into this world. To die for our sin. Unto this hour did I come into this world. Unto this hour was I born. He was only born in order to die. Jesus knew that his disciples did not understand why he had to go. Therefore he is bleeding with them for their faith, that they would trust in him. In verse 1 of this wonderful chapter, we see that Jesus says to them, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he utters the same words in verse 27. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. With other words, it was so hard for them to understand. And Jesus knew that they didn't understand, they couldn't understand. And Jesus said, I know that you don't understand, but trust me. You cannot see the whole picture now. You will see it later. You will understand later. So trust me now and believe in God and believe also in me. Here in our text is a wonderful lesson for each one of us because so many things happen in our life and we are tempted to say, Why Lord? Why does it happen? Why has it to happen? And sometimes we are arguing with him and there is a danger of becoming bitter to the Lord And the Lord Jesus said, I see the whole picture. You can't see around the corner. You see only the next step. I see the whole picture. And he is pleading with us for faith that we may trust in him blindly and follow him. And one day we will rejoice. And all our doubts will be turned into understanding and into praise that he has led us so wonderfully and so greatly through the many temptations. It is wonderful to see this. And then we see in our text that although they do not fully understand nevertheless Jesus teaches them and prepares their hearts for the coming of the Holy Spirit. At the end of Jesus' life Life more and more he speaks to them about the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16, And I will praise the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. What does this mean, another comforter? It means another of its kind. Like Jesus was a comforter to them, so will be the Holy Spirit. And in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That means that he came to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And here we are touching upon the blessed doctrine of Trinity. Our text is so clear that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is as much a person as God the Father, as much a person as God the Son, as much a person as you are and as I am. The Holy Spirit is not an influence, something which is proceeding out from God to us. The Holy Spirit is a person. I believe that there is a tremendous need through the Christian Church today to speak about the Holy Spirit and to teach the Holy Spirit. I remember way back in our old church where I come from, we had a deacon in that church, and there was a lot of arguing going on all the time because he didn't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. He didn't believe that God was revealed in Jesus Christ. Or he believed that Jesus died for his sin. He didn't believe in Trinity, and he kept on saying, there is not the expression Trinity in the Word of God. Well, this is true. But the fact is there and the truth is there and I believe that Trinity is a wonderful expression coming out of the need to express this wonderful truth that there is God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Trinity means threefold, three in one. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, He shall glorify me, He, the Holy Spirit, for He shall receive of mine. Mark this, He will receive of mine. And this you can read in John 16:14, and shall show it unto you. And so that we here see this wonderful oneness, this is the doctrine of the Trinity, and this is wonderful. And then the Lord Jesus goes on uh, and tells them that the Holy Spirit will be another teacher to them. He will lead them into all truths. He will bring to them in remembrance of all what the Lord Jesus has said and how true that is. And he will also show us things or show them things to come. How true that is when we look into the word of God. For the word of God came into existence through the Holy Spirit. From cover to cover. Second Peter 1.21 tells us, it says, For the prophecies came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Another wonderful truth is in our text. This is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in every believer. Verse 17. For he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. That is the promise of the Lord Jesus. When we say that Jesus lives in us, We do do not mean this in a physical sense. We are speaking about the Holy Spirit, who dwells in every believer. In the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus dwells in us, in our bodies, because our bodies are called a temple of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, and lo, I am with you until the end of the world, He does not mean this in a physical sense, but he means it in the person of the Holy Spirit. It is very important to see that every believer in Jesus Christ, every born-again person, has the Holy Spirit. Every child of God has the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we are not a Christian. We don't belong to Jesus Christ. Because it is utterly impossible to become a, ch- a child of God or to become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. This is an impossibility. It is a false teaching that to being born again is one step and being indwelled by the Holy Spirit is a second step and a second experience. This is not true. The fullness And to be infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit, this is something different. But we must have the Holy Spirit in order to be saved. The new birth is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. He is in this world. That is what the Word of God tells us. Well, he is in this world because he dwells in the hearts of the believers. And then we should see the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he is the one who points us to Jesus Christ. He points us to the Lamb of God as John the Baptist did on the banks of the River Jordan when he pointed his finger to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. This is what the Holy Spirit does today. That is what he did yesterday when we spoke those, uh, to those children, presenting Jesus Christ as he died for our sin. It was the Holy Spirit which pointed the children to Calvary's cross. Then he is the one who glorifies Jesus. He is the one who convicts people about sin, and who, he is the one who brings them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the driving force in the life of a yielded Christian in witnessing to others. As it was so marvelously revealed on the day of Pentecost. And here Jesus is preparing his disciples for this age of the church, the age of witnessing Let me say that this is an age which will soon come to a close, that the Holy Spirit will be taken away when the Lord Jesus comes back for his church. When the church is caught up into the presence of the Lord, every believer, then the Holy Spirit will be gone from this earth. And it will be a terrible, terrible time for this earth. In Second Thessalonica we read, For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in this world. And this is what we see. Rebellion against authority. There will be those, the word of God says, which will despise government. This is our day in which we are living. And the only force which will still hinder those people to really in full force will bring destruction upon this earth is the Holy Spirit which dwells in the hearts of the believer. I wish those people which blame the Christians for no social action, for lack of social action, oh that they could see this. For then they will experience what it means when the Holy Spirit is gone. And the gates of hell will break loose upon this earth. And this is what it says in Second Thessalonians. Let read it again. I have it here from the Amplified uh, New Testament, which is marvelously said. For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world, but it is restrained. That is the Holy Spirit who restrains only until he who restrains, as is the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, which is Antichrist, will be revealed. Tremendous portion. Thank God that we understand this. Oh, if we wouldn't have Jesus, if he wouldn't have come upon this earth, I wonder where we would live. Still in the bushes, probably. Probably killing each other. It is through the Holy Spirit which came into this world, into the church of Jesus Christ, that we at least had such a blessing as we have it. So that no one fool us. It will be a terrible time when this force which only restrains now is taken out of the way, which is the Holy Spirit. time. is nearly gone, but I just want to uh, encourage you, read those five chapters. They are so marvelous. They are so great. There was one verse which I especially wanted uh, still to bring out, and this is verse 15, because this verse, and this is a personal testimony, one day spoke so clearly to me. It says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And I couldn't help but think on the forthcoming Easter when we will witness some going through the waters of baptism and following the Lord Jesus Christ, keeping his commandments. This is the verse which the Lord Jesus used in my life. I remember when I came to know the Lord it was all so wonderful. And it was all so great, and I started to study the Word of God. But baptism, I throw out of the window, as I thought was a teaching of the Church, of the Catholic Church. And I thought this has no place in the Bible, so I throw it out. So I started afresh studying the Word of God. And then I realize and I see that baptism is taught. Baptism is taught by Jesus Christ himself. And when I came to see this, and I learned more, I was all by myself. I had no one to ask about. And then I realized that baptism can only be performed in being immersed in water. Because this is the only meaning with the test. Being buried in death with the Lord Jesus, and then coming up out of this waters, living a new life, a resurrected life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I saw that baptism doesn't save anyone, that it is by faith that we are saved, and I got all kind of thoughts about how would it be applied. But I started to pray. I said, Lord, show me if this is thy will for me to do this. And then I came to this, if he loved me, keep my commandments. And I said, Lord, I'm not worrying anymore. I love you. I want to keep that commandment. I said, lead me to some people which will baptize. And he did so. Won brought me to a small group of believers in Essen when the door was closed in my hometown. And I got there the first Sunday and they just had a rented schoolroom. And I said to them, I want to be baptized. And I thought they would do it right away. But they didn't do this. It was months later. They didn't push me through it. That I said again and again, I want to follow the Lord. And finally they did it. We went to a public swimming pool where many, many people witnessed what was going on. Well, the church, we didn't have a church. We had a rented school room where we came together breaking the bread on Sunday morning. And uh, then there I was baptized because I loved Jesus. Because he ordered it, baptism is not anything, something which the Baptists have invented. It is taught by the Lord Jesus Christ: go into all the world and make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so much more. Is to say, I'm looking forward to see and to witness this when we see some of them going through the waters of baptism and following the Lord Jesus Christ. One more one more word in love which we should say, and this is that we which are baptized, that we never should look down to anyone who hasn't followed the Lord Jesus in that step. The Lord gives us the grace that we all may follow him and love him. For if anything brought us to heaven, then it is simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in heaven there will be many, many people which never have been baptized, because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and many which have been baptized, and have lived a poor life for the Lord Jesus Christ, they will just save their own soul. They will have no reward. So let me make this very clear. But nevertheless, it is a teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is in commandment, and we respond in love to him and follow him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, so little could we only say this morning. So much should be said about this one, thy wonderful word. Now, Lord, feel thy word to our heart and bless us today. Bless the forthcoming meeting, O Father, we pray. And may uh, thou move mightily among us in power and strength of the Holy Spirit. That many hearts may open to the Lord Jesus. And that they may follow him who died for us, who rose again and who is coming again, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.